0: Amen? I, I was looking in the book and, uh, and, and something struck me this morning. I, I want to share it with you and, and maybe it will get into my message and maybe it won't. But uh, uh, I was noticing as, God, as the Lord walked through the land and, and he began to put together uh, his team of followers, the disciples, I noticed that, that he was an equal opportunity caller. Everybody he called had the same opportunity to go with him and to hear him and to follow him. But since God gives us, and I know we can go off another way on this, but I want to go this way, if you'll bear with me. Uh, uh, Since God made us vessels uh, uh, that can choose, he didn't take away our choice to choose, he didn't call us to be zombies. he He left us with a right mind to know right from wrong and and to choose who we want to follow. and he gives us the opportunity to follow him mean, uh to the best of our ability or to just go in the flow and to or just be in the crowd. It's up to you and I in this building here this morning. There are some that have got their sights set on heaven and some are still anchored to the ground. We're still trying to make up our mind just where we want to fit into all of this. You've made a good choice being here this morning. This is the right place to be on the morning that the service is open. But you can sit right here in this service and miss What we came to church about. I'm not going to take a long time this morning. Before I do get started, I want to say this. That after this service this morning, there's going to be a class. And I want to tell you, it's a leadership class. And it is a required class. I want to say that again. It's a required class if you want to be in ministry or in leadership in this church. It's something we should have been doing uh, probably ever since I've been a pastor, but I wasn't deep enough in the Lord, or close enough, or something other. I didn't have enough understanding to know that what that we need this. And my mind's eye, when I got saved, I felt like I got saved. Now my Father, Lord, He's called me to be a pastor, and everybody around me is going to fall in line like a bunch of ducks, and we are all going to work our way to what we need to be with God. But it doesn't work that way, since all of us have a mind of our own. And we can choose what we want to do always through leadership of the church. There's always been some in in my ministry that have wanted to step over the line. And I'm not saying that's why we're having this class, but they seem to just want to step over the line. Not meaning to be mean, but they felt like I'm saved and I got something I want to put into this too. Paul says, study to show yourself approved. The work that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly divide the word of truth. And that also means learn how to follow in leadership. Yeah. And so we, we are so privileged here. I want you to know that. We, we may not realize that, but I want you to realize it, that, that Brother White is not just a novice. He is nowhere near that. Besides being my brother, and I trust him, and I love him, and I know that he's got the message for the leadership of the church, uh, he is seasoned in the Word. He has the spirit and the character. Any of you that's been in his class know that to be the teacher for the class. He is a bishop in the church. He didn't just start yesterday. And so God has blessed us beyond our imagination to put a man of this caliber in our service with us daily, much less to just teach a class for us. The church is not paying him one dime. He not only comes to church, but he drives from Vallejo, California, up here. And he's faithful, and after church, he's gonna teach in this class. He's been teaching the class, but this one I'm saying, and I didn't come to this decision easy. It took me a while to get it through my head. That if you're going to be a minister in today's world and in this church and leadership, this is a required class. Now, if you don't ever want to be a leader, and you want to be where you are, then you don't need to have to come to this class. But if you want to excel in, in leadership and you think that you are called into leadership, I encourage you to put it on your counter and mark it every day and don't just hit and miss because it won't work. Don't mean to be mean about it. Don't mean to sound rough about it. I'm just trying to tell you it's a serious class and it's for serious folks that want to serve God. I promise you will come to that class you won't walk out like you come in. I go to that class, and I don't only enjoy it, but I've learned from it, sister. I've learned from it. Thank you, Brother White. Now, uh, uh, I could go on and talk more about Brother White and and about the class, but I think I better stop here before I get in trouble, and and, uh, I'll try to speak to you this morning. Uh, some of what's on my heart and and uh, uh, I probably won't finish it, but it's probably be a two part message, and I'll probably finish it later on, but uh, I, I want to share some things with you At the dawn of the twentieth century, General William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, he points out six signs or six points that you can look at. The church or people are people are people and see the condition that they're in. He puts it out like there's six points of departure that you can see from the faith for a backsliding nineteenth century church. And I got to looking at those things and I got to thinking about them this morning and and I began to think about my life and looking around and things I see in the church world and and I thought I wanted to share them with you this morning if you will allow me. So I hope that uh, uh, you can listen to this and perhaps maybe it will cause you, my whole madness is is to cause you to look at your life calls you to look at your life and examine where you are from the time that you said, Lord, I'll follow you. Because after all, we are the church. This is not the church, the building. We are. And so he talks about that. And so number one, it was a, a fascinating to me when I looked and saw, number one that he talks about is Christianity without God or without Christ. And I thought, yes, we, we, that hits it. we right here. It's not the 19th century, but it works for 19, 20, and 21, and uh, so on down. It's, a, it's a, a good thing to look at. He said, people found it popular to be a Christian, the 19th century church, found it popular to be a Christian. Uh, it's popular to, uh, if you're in the right crowd, to be a Christian or to call yourself a Christian. He said, but there was a catch to it. He said, uh, uh, but didn't want to commit to Christ in his lordship. So that sounds like a religion that, would, that fits the world real good. And if you look around, you'll find it in every church that there's people that want to be in the crowd. When you look at the ones that Jesus... C- called uh, uh, Judas never did fit the crowd but he stayed in the crowd and looking at him uh, as a head count you couldn't tell one from the other but if you would be around him a little while you begin to realize that Judas had his mind on one thing yet he was hanging out with the crowd that hung out with Jesus and that was he had his mind on the money sack because his mind was on money and and anybody that's like that uh, can't have their mind totally on the Lord. Pray for me. I want to preach to you a few minutes this morning. They found it. Said that he said it in the 19th century, He found it that it was people. It was popular to claim to be a Christian. I've been to, I've been to meetings, and I, uh, before I got saved, and it was exciting the meetings I went to. The preacher preached the walls down. He went up and down the aisles. He wasn't stuck behind a pulpit. Uh, He he didn't put me to sleep. Matter of fact, he would have woke up almost the dead the way he preached. It got exciting to me. And in those days, I was a drunk on Friday night and, and drinking on Saturday night, and I was going to church on Sunday morning sometimes. We got Christians today that claim to be Christians, people that come to church and, and they have a party on Friday night and on Saturday night and they're in church Sunday morning, but they got hangovers. But we claim to be a Christian. We claim to change our life, but our same old lifestyle is hanging on. To the same person we used to be once we get home and away from the crowd. And that's the way it is, uh, what he's seeing there. There's people that claim to be one thing, but there's something else in reality. So that's a sign you can see when people are falling away, when they're departing from the faith. I have noticed in my life, and I'm saying in my life, I'm not talking about anybody here. I can look. If I had a mirror here, I could show you what I'm talking about. I could demonstrate it. I can look in the mirror, and I can look and see my life back where I was. And, and I have an imaginary mirror when, I, when I'm when i talking or when I'm thinking that I look into, and I can see where I came from. I can see a reflection of who I used to be. And if I'm not careful, I can revert back to that same person I used to be through the week and come to church on Sunday and still make out like I'm as good as anybody else. is where I... I am with the Lord. This is not a shouting message maybe this morning, but it's the first good chance I've got to talk to you this year. And I want you to get on the right track with me this year. I know you love the Lord, but I also know that the devil's not an occasion can't get around to attempt us to go one way or the other. It's easy. It's easy to hang out with the wrong crowd. It's easy to justify not coming to church on Sunday just on occasionally when it's it's convenient. It's easy uh, to slip by and not pay your tithes. It's easy to do the thing that you used to do. They wanted, they didn't want to commit to Christ and his Lordship. If you and I are going to be what we claim to be, we're going to have to commit We're going to have to commit to the Lord and what the book says we need to be, not what I want to be sometimes. There's times I want to just hang out at the house. There's there's times when I don't rest good at night that I turn over and look at the clock and say, oh my goodness, couldn't there be another hour here? I I don't want to get up now. But see, I, I know that I have an obligation and my obligation is to you secondly, but first to God. And if I don't Commit to the Lord. I can't commit to you, so I need to watch who I am. Didn't want to commit to his lordship. Secondly, he names a forgiveness without repentance. Forgiveness without repentance. I've experienced some of that with some people I know. And I've experienced that In my own life, it's easy to claim I'm saved, but the Lord's got a way of finding out who you are He'll send somebody by your way that'll tweak your melon, make you upside down in your spirit, and you won't want to give up, and you won't want to forgive, and, and you'll want to just say, well, go on and go to hell, but you can't think like that. You've got to begin to pray for those that need prayer and begin to believe God to reach out and touch them. If not, you have reverted back to where you used to be. We can laugh about it, but there's folks that claim to be saved, claim to be forgiven, and claim to be on their way to heaven, but they've not forgiven somebody around them for something that doesn't mount to a whole lot. Some of us, it takes longer than others to pray through I don't know if we're stubborn Brother Terry and we just wait a long while or there's a whole lot we need to pray through about it. But I have known of people going five years and claiming to be just as holy as they was before they got upset with one another. Claiming to go to heaven just as much as they did before they got upset one another. And they can't stand to talk to one another. They can't stand to hardly say one another's name. And yet they both want to go to heaven. And you can't do that. There's only one heaven. And there's no walls between you and them when you get there. Forgiveness without repentance. Oh, my goodness. We could hang out there a while let's go on many crave forgiveness but they didn't want to quit what they were doing how many times have I been there and seen that and done that went to church on Sunday morning and enjoyed Sunday morning service and go back out and go to work on Monday and if I wasn't careful, I'd get right back in the same rut that I used to be before I claimed the Lord in my life. Let me tell you some Sweet and bitter water don't flow out of the same fountain at the same time. you either one or you either the other. you either claiming one thing or you're claiming the other. Which is it? I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm just trying to shake you to realize that there's a place of complacency that the church can get into, and much of the church is slipping that way. Uh, And we need to to shake ourselves. If we find, when we look in the mirror, that we can see some of this stuff in our lives that used to be there, we need to shake ourselves and realize that we need to come past that and get away from that and be real in the Lord. One of the big reasons... As a young man, many years ago, that I quit going to church and quit wanting to be around Christian folks because I had an experience, before, a couple of experiences, one before I got to this one place where the pastor uh, uh, was, well, we won't go there, was doing some things I don't think was appropriate, to say the least. And I thought as a young man, My goodness, if this is going on in the church, I don't need this. I can do as good as that on my own. And so I went away from that. And for years, it took me before I could get back, and the Lord uh, brought me back in his own way. He has a way of ambushing us along the way of life, but we don't have to be ambushed along the way of life. All we have to do is just give in and give up and let God be God in our life and (laughs) let him lead us and guide us and direct us, and, and we'll be everything he wants to be, and we'll be a witness and not a hindrance to somebody. They didn't want to quit what they were doing. Thirdly, he points out uh, you can see, he says, religion, uh, uh, it's a time when uh, people want religion without the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. They want religion without the Holy Spirit. You can find religion all across this land. But your experience has got to be more than religion, because religion will just let you do things to uh, hinder somebody else and make you miserable. But when you really get Christ in your life and you really become a Christian, begin to live like Christians ought to live, then you'll be a blessing and touch people around you. We need to get past the thought of uh, having a religion without the Holy Spirit. Said they've fringed on. form of godliness while denying the power of it there. We need the power of the Holy Ghost working in our services and working our lives if we're going to be people that's different than what we used to be. Brother Roy, I can't be different than I used to be without listening to the Holy Ghost and letting him lead me and guide me and direct me because every time I want to lead me and guide me and direct me, I wind up in a mess of trouble because I don't have the wisdom to outfox the devil and neither do you. but they they had a form of godliness. They had a form of godliness. They came to church maybe every Sunday morning. Maybe they clapped their hands a little bit when things were going right. Maybe when people was praying, they may have bowed their head, but their mind was everywhere but where it should have been. You can have a form. You can look like Mr. Somebody. You can button your coat up and you walk around with your chest out. You ladies can put on your high heel sneakers and, and, and jive around too. But I'm going to tell you what, all your high heel sneakers and all your dressing up with your chest poked out is not going to get you to heaven. He's not looking for people that's full of pride, but he's looking for people that lost their pride and humble and meek before him. Because he, the scripture says he was humble and meek, and he's the son of God. You want to see somebody that you can know that's... Looking back and need to look in the mirror, you look for a Christian that comes around and, and they got their heads so high in the air they can't hardly shake hands with you to see you when you're around there. I hope we don't have anybody in this church like that. I haven't seen anybody like that. But the church world is full of people like that. There's places that you can go to churches and if you don't get in the clique of the clan that's there, you're going to be sitting on the outside because there's so many cliques in the church. That there's not hardly room for Christ in the church. We need to realize that when we come to God's house, it would do us all good if we'd stop outside the door and and say, Lay down all the things we got going on except coming through the doors and beginning to praise God. This ought to be a sanctuary. It ought to be a hideaway with God's people where we leave the worldly problems outside and we get unloaded out there and we come inside those doors thanking God for being alive today and thanking God for the opportunity to come in and praise Him today. <laughs> I remember going to churches when I got there. Uh, that the Spirit of the Lord was so full in that place that when the preaching would come, and sometime before the preaching would come, people would run to the altars uh, and cry and cry and cry with tears. I've seen ladies with their mascara running down their face. Uh, looked like they were painted for war when they got up from there because they really had been in a war up here at an altar trying to get free from the flesh and letting the fear of God work in them in their spirit. But they got up from there, went out straight back out there into the world, and they began to be a witness of them. I want to ask you, how is your witness today? How long has it been since you've been at an altar and prayed until your mascara uh, went away? I mean, you men, how long has it been since you've been at an altar and prayed until you got victory over all the problems in your life? Let me tell you something. From the back pew to the pulpit... None of us get to the place where we don't ever need to pray anymore. None of us get to the place where we're so holy that we don't need to come back and renew our spirits with the Lord. And you can't do it And one knee going down and getting up. As soon as you get up, get down. You need to tarry there while Jesus told them to go back and go to Jerusalem and go there and tarry and tarry and tarry until they were in due with power. And it wasn't manpower. It wasn't fleshly power. It was a power of the holy ghost <laughs> a religion without the holy ghost is just a religion and when you look around you find a christian that's sad all the time miserable all the time you can't talk to them 5 minutes without they got something bad to say all the time or maybe about somebody or something other a good telltale sign of somebody whether they would need to be with the Lord or not or whether they, were they need to be or not is when service is over. If you catch them out there and they talk about the service was too long or the praise and worship was no good or the preacher didn't have the right message or he was too loud or he was too low or he was too fast or he was too slow. When they find people talking all those carnal things negatively about God or God's people or the service, you can st- start praying because the strong is supposed to bear the weak and when people begin to do that, they've got weak in their spirit, and they need prayer, and they need prayer from somebody that's not in the shape they was in. They need prayer from somebody that knows how to get a hold to God. Too many times today our Christians get together and instead of having a prayer meeting, we have a luncheon over one another. Well, maybe I'll get with somebody and I'll have a luncheon and I'll have Brother Terry for lunch or maybe I'll have Liz for lunch or Brother Roy for lunch with Christians the only bunch of people in the world that are cannibals that go to lunch and have somebody for lunch we don't need to be that in this church that's what happens though if you have a religion without the spirit the power of the spirit in your life let me move on he talked, uh, fourthly, he talked about salvation without regeneration. I see that all over the land today. Salvation without regeneration. It reminds me uh, uh, of some, when I used to work for Hertz. We used to bring those trucks in ever so often, and, and we would pull them into the shop, and we would start at the top and strip them down to the bottom. We'd throw out everything that was wore out and wasn't any good. We called it refurbishing them. We'd take and start replacing parts and rebuilding parts from, from the ground up. And when we got through with it, that truck may have been a, a 10 years old, but it was a brand-new truck when we got through with it, 10 years old. That's sanctification in the Christian. When God forgives us and we're regenerated, we're sanctified from the old things we used to be. God has helped us to throw it out. But here's the catcher. God saves the spirit, and he depends on us to do the regenerating or the refurbishing in our lives. It's up to you. He deals with your heart. And he says, now quit cussing. Quit drinking. Quit playing around. Quit doing the things you're doing that you know is wrong. I'll help you do it. But you need to make a stand and do it. You can't blame the preacher if you're still running around. You can't blame the preacher if you have an affair. Brother, you've you got to take it where it is. You're standing in the need of prayer, and you're the one who to work on the problem. <coughs> Is called sanctification. We don't preach on sanctification much more, because people don't understand it. They don't want to hear it. Had a young preacher tell me one time, when I began to talk to him about some sanctification he needed in his life, he's going to stand in front of people and talk to him. He said, "Brother Ben, when the Lord gets ready to take it away from me, he will, and I'm willing to let him have it." I said, "Holy brother, God didn't put it on you." He ain't going to take it away from you. He wants you to do that. Praise God. But we live in a church world today when people are almost like that. We feel like it's all right to talk about somebody every now and then. We think it's all right to to tell a colorful joke as long as it's just borderline and and you can jump off either way you want to. We feel like it's all right. We feel like it's all right to go places uh, that we shouldn't go as long as we don't sip the real suds and we have a Coke or or something like that. But I want to tell you something. If you hang out with the devil for long enough, you'll be just like him, whether you will go his way or not. When I got saved, I gave up my alcohol. It wasn't easy. I don't drink my booze anymore. When I got saved, I quit cursing. I couldn't find no place in the book where Jesus ever did. I figured if he did, I shouldn't. It wasn't easy, but I quit doing it. Well, oh, I still got some things I got to work on. I'm not perfect yet, but it's one thing about it. With the Lord's help, as long as you're working on the imperfections in your life and your body, you'll be victorious on it as long as you let the Lord do the leading. Yeah. Praise God. I plan on trying to make heaven my home one day. I need a salvation uh, with the Holy Ghost to lead me. I need a salvation that talks about regeneration because I need Things changed my life. Paul went on and he said, when a person's born again, he said he becomes a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's not the same person he used to be. No more than that old truck that I worked on the shop until we built it from the ground up and made it brand new again. You looked at it, you saw the same truck. But when you got in and drove it, when you had, felt how it handled, it was a brand new truck you see it was old that's the same way with you and I when we let the Lord come into our life and sanctify us and the places we need to be sanctified then we'll be be a brand new person in Christ Jesus see but too many people are going around claiming that I'm a Christian and they look into everybody around them just like the world and let me tell you something when you begin to look like the world and act like the world you're like the world We need a salvation with regeneration. Said so Church members wanted to be saved, but they didn't desire the change of the heart that brought about regeneration. See, you got, that's the kicker to it. Too many people have not come to the realization that you've got to want to change if you're going to change. Too many people come to the altar just because uh, somebody says you ought to go to the altar. Oh, but I would to God if people would come to the altar even that way. Maybe the Lord would get a hold of them. But in today's world, not very many people come to the altar because we're so stuck up with pride that we that are saved think if we come up there. The devil said, you don't want to go up there because if you go to that altar, everybody's going to know that you're backslidden, or everybody's going to know that you're weak in an area. But thank God everybody would know. God already knows. So why try to fool yourself? Run to an altar and say, God, forgive me. It's me I did wrong. I don't know about you. But I plan on making heaven my home. And I can't do it if I'm full of pride if I don't do what God says do. And that's live like God says I ought to live. And I can't live like God says I ought to live if I keep lying to myself and don't go and do what God tells me to do, can I? And neither can you. We need regeneration in our life. We need sanctification. Over all the things in our life. Now, you may not get sanctified over everything the first time you come down. My Lord, the first time that, that God convicted me of my drinking, uh, I quit drinking, but I still drank wine. And, and, and when God convicted me of that, it, it took God doing it the way he, only He could do it. But I quit. I quit. Listen, let me go a little further. Politics without God. Booth talked about the crookedness of politicians and how God has left out and how God was left out of national decisions. And you can look around the world and you can see that. There was a time that before Congress did anything, the first Continental Congress, I got a picture of it in my office where they're all on their knees praying to God. You know, we've fallen a long way from that. America thinks we've grown and got powerful, and we have in, in some ways. We think that we've really advanced forward, but really, in reality, we've recessed way back beyond the First Continental Congress because our leaders have got the place that they think they don't need God. They almost think that we are God. And when you get to the place in your life where you think you don't need God and you don't need the leadership of God, whether you're one person or the church or the nation, we're in trouble. Amen. I think it's time, folks, that we need to look up. We need to look up space. If you look around, Russia openly said things not too long ago about United States. It uh, wasn't good things. Korea, North Korea is testing bombs. Uh, uh, and and we give them money, you know. Uh, I, I got was talking to somebody this morning and I almost got off the deep end about that. Then you look at Iran and and uh, we fix to give them a hundred million dollars. I think it is a hundred billion, a hundred million. I forget which. Uh, uh, and it's like we've been held up or we've been blackmailed to pay them to take our to take and make a treaty with us, and they've already broke it. What I'm trying to say is, if you look around over the world, there's unrest all over the world. So I think we need to look up because we see there are many places in the church where we're not where we need to be as God's people. And so we need to look around and realize that our redemption draweth nigh. We need to look to God and than things around us. Politics without God, our, church, our country, at one time, 98% of our country was considered to be Christians. It's far from that today. Matter of fact, our president declared a couple of years ago that America wasn't a Christian uh, nation. Some things went on. I don't have time for that, but I just want to share that with you. Heaven, heaven without hell. He said you can see that. You know a church is declining. And today we have preachers that preach that don't believe in hell. We have uh, people that like to talk about heaven but don't like to talk about hell. We have Christians that come to church and don't hardly miss a day, but they they don't believe in hell. They want to just believe in God, this this good God. that well He don't send us to hell. We send ourselves there because he's God, and he set the rules. and, And if we don't obey by the rules, then we answer by the rules. But we need to realize that wherever I am, wherever I go, and whatever I do, I'm a reflection of God in my life. I'm a reflection of the love of Jesus Christ in my life. He died for me on a cross. And when he died for me, it was so as that I could be, live free from being in sin like the world. It's so as I could be an example. You and I may be the only book that somebody reads yes, so true. until they find Jesus. Yeah. We, could be the, we could be the book that would cause them To come to an altar and ask God in their life or we could be the book that would cause them to say oh there's nothing to that a heaven without hell God's a perfect God if God would have made a heaven without hell he wouldn't be perfect even a corn that man makes and he's imperfect it's got heads and it's got tails a very object somebody said one time when you ask the Lord to come in your life, you're saved forever. Nothing can take you out of God's hands. No, nothing can take you out of God's hands except you. Except you. Let me tell you something. If you want to hold on to that analogy that, that once you come to an altar that you're saved forever and you got it made, then God wouldn't be a just God. Because he allowed the mortars to be crucified and filleted, different horrible things happened to them. They wouldn't give up who they were. And if we could get by with doing nothing, God wouldn't have been just to them. There's a price to pay for the way that we live. People need to realize that. But not everybody is going to realize that at once, but people around you are going to look and watch your life. Now, I know that once that I'm saved, I want you to get a hold of this. Once that I've been invited into the kingdom of God God's family, I'm going to always be a part of God's family. If you don't believe that, go read to the prodigal son, even when he went out in the world and the father didn't know where he was when he till if he if he had never got his right mind back and went back home, he still would have never enjoyed the fellowship of his father in the home. A picture of you and I. It didn't change the fact that he was his son. It just he lost the benefits of being at home. I could go and preach on an hour and I'm not going to do it. The thing is, though, these same issues still exist today that he saw back there for the 19th century church in today's world as we sit. The problem being is that you're either going to have your mind on the Lord or you're going to be going with the crowd. Which are you? Who are you this morning? Are you Do you come to church because it, that you want to hang out with somebody? Or do you come there to meet the presence of the Lord? Do you come to church because you like the way Sarah plays the organ, I mean the piano or, or keyboard? Or do you come to church because you want to Come and just worship God. The answer is, I come to church because I want to worship God. I want to be with God's people in God's house on the day that he sets aside for us to worship. I'll, I want to come and worship God there. God's a good God. He loves you. That's the reason why you're here. He loves you, and he's led you here. Stand with me all over this place. I could preach an hour now, but I don't have time. I told you probably two parts. I won't tell you the next time I'm preaching, so as you make sure you won't stay at home. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Praise God. This may have not have been a shouting message this morning. But if you listen to it and you go home, look in the mirror, and you ask yourself, how much of this applies to me negatively and how much applies positive?" I know the Lord will speak to most of us' heart this morning, including mine. There's room for me to move up in the Lord. This is the time to do it, not wait till next year. We are not have next year. Today is the day of the salvation. Today is the day to make up your mind who you are and who you're going to be in God. Are you going to let the devil beat you up and push you around? Are you going to take it to the devil this year? God didn't call us to be beat up and pushed down by the devil. He called us to chase the devil. Leave me in something, Sarah, something soft. If you're here this morning and if there's any place in your life that you need prayer, I want you to be brave and step out right now where you are and come down here and let us pray with you. You don't even have to tell us what you need prayer for.